0: This is a fucking rad snowboarding podcast. Welcome to our sixth episode and our first episode of 2016. Ken Ackenbeck is the father of Canadian snowboarding. He founded the Snowboard Shop, Canada's first snowboarding shop in the early 80s. And he still runs the Camp of Champions in Whistler, which is one of the world's best summer snowboarding ski camps. And he helps run a catboarding and heliboarding operation called Powder Mountain, just south of Whistler. I've ridden there with the boardroom snowboard shop guys, and it was amazing. Insane terrain, deep snow, and an awesome staff of drivers and guides. Check them out at PowdermountainCatskiing.com. We met with Ken at his beautiful house, which overlooks Whistler and Blackcomb Mountains. Uh, well, I've lived in Whistler
1: since, part-time since 88 and full-time since 94, I think. Uh, my first board was like a rubber strap Sims board. And then, uh, then I had a 150 FE, and then, then I rode for Chuck. Right. And then I had same board till we made the twin tip, and then uh, then I rode for Burton. It's funny how one thing when you're 15 can change your life. So, you know, growing up skateboarding and BMXing and all that stuff, I was like, you know, you read Action Now magazine, and it's like, I want to go snowboarding. So basically in those days, you just phone the number and... Oh hi. Did you actually do yeah, that? you know, it's funny like I can I don't even have to close my eyes I can still see the phone call that changed my life. It's like, "Hey mom, can I borrow your credit card? 805-969-1909." Yeah, I want to buy a snowboard. "Hey, this is Tom Sims." Okay, cool. So bought a snowboard, you wow. know, straight from Tom Sims. A couple years later, he's like, "Hey, you want to come to the Worlds?" I'm like, "Sure." And this was like right after Bob DeNike had put out the first snowboarder mag. I had a picture of a cab a bomb dropping off something and I'm like, Oh man, I'm nowhere near as good as those guys. And then I ended up getting second in pipe. So it was pretty funny as so Tom goes, Oh, you owe me seventy five bucks for shipping, so I'm not gonna give you your prize money. I'm like the fuck are you talking about, dude? That's a contest? This is a business and a contest? <laughs> what? Okay, fine, whatever. You're not going to give me my prize money. and he said, here's your fucking trophy back, too, and stuffed it into his chest. You know, when you come from ski racing where everybody's trying to make it really fair for everybody and do a good thing, and then, you know, you go to a snowboard contest where the guy who owns the, basically the biggest brand at the time is a cheating scumbag. It's just like kind of destroys your enthusiasm for competing yeah well that's 88 was sort of when you know ski construction started going full forth jake had ski construction i think in like 85 86 i think when he had the elite you know i love burton it's the only board i'm ever gonna ride because you know when the whole sellout of snowboarding went on when you know ride went public and sold out and blah 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 you know there was you know a million people going to jake and donna going hey man you should take your company public yeah you make a trillion dollars and jake's like uh, no, that's why I'll ride Burton's stuff forever. And, you know, it's like he had the opportunity to sell us out. And unlike everybody else, he didn't. If I'd ended up on a LibTech after Barfoot, I'd feel the same way towards LibTech. You know, to me, LibTech and Burton are the two brands. When you look all the way back, there's really only Burton and LibTech that, you know, are made by people that all they care about is making better stuff. Well, we, me and Neil DeFern made the first Twin Tip in 86 you know we we drew it up on paper and traced it out and then made molds and I mean it was awesome I mean that board was you know it was construction wise and shape wise and performance wise it was so far beyond anything that was out there I mean I remember laughing with Craig and Duckboy one day and saying you know when Craig's first board came out it was you know they changed the nose and tail a little bit but it was basically a twin tip with different paint right. and I remember asking Duckboy it's like know because it you know he wrote for burton by then and you know i didn't and i'm and i'm like dude there's you gotta you gotta have one of those in between boards because i know there's a board because i remember seeing craig have basically a burton twin tip yeah and then you know they changed it a little bit so it didn't look so much like a twin tip and uh and duck boy's like yeah i got one and he goes they only made three of them craig's got one i got one and i can't remember who's got the other one You know, and then, you know, I think of things like why Burton's so amazing is because Jake rides with a, you know, little book in his pocket. And and if somebody gives him an idea or he gets an idea, he writes it down instead of going, oh, yeah, good idea, bro. And then forgetting about it on the next run, he writes it down. Like, you know, you see the Mark McMorris's and the Stales and, you know, the Torsteins. And it's like, I hope they're thinking of how to make snowboards better, you know, having Craig next door and... You know, he was always about, you know, making it better. I mean, that guy was the mad scientist of all time. I mean, Burton sucked until Craig came along. And I don't, I want to say save him because Jake's super smart, but yeah. he made their boards awesome. And so Jake awesome. was smart enough to listen and Tom never listened to anybody. It's like, you know, yeah. and, you know, I use this example all the time. It's like Tom was into promoting Tom, whereas mm-hmm. Burton was into promoting snowboarding. When Tom was promoting Tom, as soon as he lost Craig, because Tom didn't listen to anybody, you know, you know how the story's gonna end. And Jake was smart enough to listen to Craig. And you know, Tom was always, Hey, you know, and that guy didn't have the the back end to 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 put together what Jake had put together to support the ideas that were coming out of Craig and me and Steve and Duckboy and Brushy and everybody, you know, like everybody's giving all these ideas and you know, and JG's turning them into this, you know, this wonder product. But you know, because Jake had the the back end to support. was getting created at the front end, you know, they could they could take it and run with it. But the biggest one is is Jake knew that as long as he promoted snowboarding, if you have the best product and you promote snowboarding and you make snowboarding grow, well you're gonna sell more product. So we started the camp in 89 and then we had like 75 kids. And now I think we have more than that in staff. So it's it's pretty cool. You know, even though I haven't had my shop since ninety four, how much the snowboard shop is still influencing snowboarding. Like the people that rode for the shop, like, you know, Dano's kind of out of it for shooting photos now, but he was like the best photographer going and then Colin writing for Transworld and, you know, Warbs making boards and Gary being a filmer and, you know, just all these, you know, Boyer making movies and, you know, just like the the people that rode for the shop, it wasn't, you know, yeah, you had to have skills to, to ride, and you know you get on the team, but it was also you had to kind of fit in with us. I, I like to think all that chaos rubbed off on everybody, or as, as one of my friends put it, "It's like, dude, if you made it look like you could do it, they figured out that anybody could do it." <laughs> which is which is you know if that if that's my influence, fine. You know, like all I ever wanted to do was go snowboarding, so that's fine by me. You know. I just wanted somebody to go snowboarding with. That's why I started selling snowboards, because there was nobody to snowboard with. So when I bought my first board, you know, I took one run and went, this is the raddest thing ever, this is going to be huge. And I phoned Tom the next day and ordered six more. And it... Well, I, I, I grew up skateboarding, and then I, I transitioned into riding BMX, and that was sort of cool, you know, me and Craig, like, so we met in 86 at Sunshine. You know, we both ride in white Surrells and or he had white Sorrells, and we had the leather ones by then. But, uh, yeah, we just hit it off, like, you know, and, you know, like, we both rode BMX bikes, you know, and, it, and, it's, and it's funny, you know, it's like, oh, you know, when did skateboarding come into it? It was in it from the beginning. Yeah. You know, it's always been skateboarding, you know. I mean, for example, I always say that snowboarding is big in Canada because of Lance Mountain, Steve Caballero, and Billy Ruff. And you're like, what? And it's like, the, when I went to the world, you know, we'd been selling snowboards for a couple of years by the time I went to the world, and they're like, what, you have a store that just sells snowboards? Why don't you sell skateboards? I'm like, oh, I don't know anybody that makes skateboards. I'm like, well, you know us. And they're like, okay. So we started buying PAL boards and GNS boards because of Billy. And then when Billy switched to Vision, we started buying Vision stuff and timed it perfect that you know skateboarding blew up in like '85 or '86, something 86, like that. Yeah. And we took all the money from, from selling skateboards all summer and put on the North American snowboarding championships at Sunshine with 20 grand prize money. Craig came and, you know, all the Burton guys came and, you know, Jose Fernandez and Andy Tanner came from Switzerland and, you know, everybody from Canada came and, I mean, it was just a math thing. It was like, 100 bucks to enter. If we get 200 people, there's 20 grand. Give it all away. And then, you know, then we moved to Sunshine and had the North Americans and then we got the last year, the North Americans, we got screwed like two months before the contest. Sunshine just basically went, yeah, no, I don't think we want to have a contest here, by which time we, you know, published all the posters with the prize money, put all the ads in the mags and then we had to change it to two months earlier. So we got like, nobody came basically. Right. And, you know, we lost our shirts and that was the end of it. And, you know, back then everybody that snowboarded was so stoked to share the excitement. Yeah. It was really fun back then. And, and it's still fun now. And, you know, you hear everybody going, oh, snowboarding's changed. It's like, no, snowboarding's exactly the same as it used to be. There's just the part that I have a hard time with sometimes is just the, you know, everybody wants something from it. It's like. You know, some, I, you know, I used to go to Europe a lot. I went every year from like 86 to 2001. And sometimes I think Europeans actually almost get the magic of snowboarding more than North Americans and Japanese totally get the magic. But it's like, you know, it's, it's about snowboarding. It's not about who's going to sponsor me. Am I going to make money? Am I going to go to the Olympics or the X Games or any of that stuff? It's just, you know, the, the pure love of snowboarding. You know, the one thing about snowboarding nowadays is it's, you know, really clicky and, you know, you got to have, I I don't really like that photo. I mean, my fingers are all weird. And, you know, it's like, you know, back then it was like, you know, this guy could be an astrophysicist. The other guy could be a total pothead. The other guy could be a car mechanic. But you were all like, you know, or one guy like Les could be a musician or whatever and Neil, a mad scientist and Smitty, the train driver. But you were all absolute best friends because you had this one thing in common and all the other shit didn't matter. All that mattered, you snowboard? Me too. Hey, let's be friends. You know, that new school skiing still has that vibe of snowboarding back in the day. And as long as they don't lose it to fists and it's super easy to do, man. You're like, we just want to be accepted when you should never want to be accepted. I mean, you have the most fun in your life when you're hated. Well, everybody can be lucky. That's the thing. It's like so many people are scared to do what they really want to do like do what makes you happy and and you're always going to be happy so you can't lose and there's no such thing as failure when you're happy so yeah, do it what are you scared of you know like send it
0: (laughs) fucking rad shout outs this week to craig williams and gordon faulkner two vancouver skateboarders and rad musicians who recorded heading home the music in today's episode which is used with permission This week should be the week we are actually available on iTunes. So go subscribe to us. That'd be awesome. As always, we want to thank you for listening. I can't believe there's people listening from over 20 different countries in the world. That's fucking rad. Come back next Wednesday for another fucking rad snowboarding podcast episode.